Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Lift your right hand in the air. Wave it like you just don't care. I've always wanted to say that. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, today I stand in the house of the living God, the house of God is a house of transformation. It is a house where miracles flow. It is a house where earth sees heaven and heaven moves into earth. Today, Lord Jesus, I give you permission to bring more of heaven into my world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead, give the Lord one more great praise. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Turn in your Bibles to the book of First Chronicles chapter 11. I want to kind of speak a, a word that I felt God said, this is the word to preach for today. This is a today word, and I, I think you're going to enjoy it. So First Chronicles chapter 11, Chronicles is in the Old Testament, after the book of Genesis, before the book of Revelation. If you're in the maps, you've gone too far. Book of Chronicles, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, chapter 11. Chapter 11. It goes like this in verse 4. It says, And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jebus, where the Jebusites were the inhabitants of the land. They were the occupiers of the territory at this particular moment. David and all Israel come to Jerusalem, which we know today is the capital of Israel. But before it was the capital of Israel, it was territory that belonged to the Jebusites. And the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, you shall not come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David, now David said, whoever attacks the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. And Joab, the son of Zariah, went up first and he became chief. Then David dwelt in the stronghold. Therefore, they called it the city of David. And he built the city around it from the Milo to the surrounding area. Joab repaired the rest of the city. So David went on and became great and the Lord of hosts was with him. What a magnificent passage. The title of my message today is Taking Strongholds. Taking Strongholds. I just want you to, to understand that this, this message will have a plural application today. God's Word always has a plural, always has a micro and a macro. It always has a, a personal context and it has a corporate context. So I need you to understand that when you get saved, just like the magnificent testimony we heard, on the screen, when you get saved, Jesus says, I need you to understand you are saved. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you have everlasting life. You have eternal life. However, on this earth, I'm gonna get you to live out. I'm not gonna just rapture you as soon as you get saved, as soon as you get your baptism, they hand you the, your baptism certificate. You don't just get raptured to heaven. 
you still got to live out stuff on the earth. Why? Because there are other earthlings that God wants to reach. And so how does he reach them? Well, he reaches them primarily by what he does in you. It's the power of the gospel in you. What is that power? That power is coming into the understanding that every stronghold that the enemy had over your life, he might have had a stronghold over your mind. He might have had a stronghold over your body. He might have had a stronghold over your soul, over your spirit. He, he might have had a stronghold as far as paradigms and mentalities and you might have had a stronghold of poverty or a stronghold of addiction or a stronghold of alcoholism or a stronghold of pornography a stronghold of lust a stronghold of adultery or dysfunction or or divorce that, that whatever the strongholds are when you get saved you don't just get the ticket to heaven when you get saved, Yeshua ben Elohim, Jesus comes and lives on the inside of you and with your permission will lead you into dismantling and destroying every single stronghold. Can I just tell you, you don't have to allow one stronghold of the enemy to remain. Now, let me tell you, the enemy has a voice. The enemy has a voice. He, he, he will say to you, well, don't even listen to that preacher right now. He doesn't understand your history. He doesn't. This has been running in your family for generations. Great-grandfather struggled with this. Your grandfather struggled with this. Your father struggled with this. You're no better than your father's. Come on, who do you think? And the devil will try. He, he has a voice saying, you will not come up in here. You will not take this territory. You will not advance. You will not take this stronghold. But I want you to know, 2024, we've deemed it 2020 more. This is your year to take more kingdom, to see more of God, to see more of God's freedom, more of God's blessing, more of God's loving kindness. I just want to take a moment to, to, to kind of honor Pastor Mike and beautiful Pastor Katie uh, Yeager, who are two, two of the, the, the most awesome leaders. And, um, you know, we have a new album dropping February 16. I think it's dropping February 18 is the, is the concert. And... Uh, little bit of transparency, I got to listen to the pre-released album, Oh My Goodness. Just get ready. The songs are unbelievable. They've been playing over and over and over in my living room and then on in, in my car. Breakthrough is in there, and it's because of this courageous warrior, this courageous warrior. Let me just say this. Um, I have found in my life, and, and Leanne had to learn this one from me because she was brought up in church. So church was, she got a clip behind the ear if she wasn't singing. And from a little girl, it was so funny, from a little girl, there was this old man who took delight. He would rest his hymnal on her head. And Leanne would be looking up at her mom, you know, and he, this guy's got the hymnal that they're singing song, how great thou art, how great, you know, like singing with the hymnal resting on Leanne's head and Leanne's mom would always correct her, say just, he's just old, let it happen. So Leanne didn't really kind of have this, you know, whereas I got, I didn't grow up in church, I got saved on a beach. And then I would, I would, I started learning these songs and the songs had such healing power, had such ministering power had had prophetic releasing power that I literally began to understand that there's a warfare component to songs. In Isaiah 54, it says, sing, O barren. Well, hang on, 
pastor, that's a little bit cruel because the barren woman, she's unable to conceive. Like, how could you get her to sing? She's got nothing to sing about. She's barren. And God's like, exactly. Because what you sing about, you'll bring about. You, you, can, you can start singing, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. 400 children. Oh, not 400 children, four hungry children, excuse me. You, you can sing that. You, you, you can sing, yesterday, all my troubles seem so far real. No, no, why, why bring it here today? No, no, don't. You, instead, you can sing, my God is an awesome God who reigns in power. You can begin to sing the songs. You can begin to sing the songs at authority. You can begin the songs of walking in the light. You can begin the songs of giants falling down. You can begin to song, sing the songs of victory and breakthrough. King David, in Psalm 144, verse 1, says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He would often play the harp and, and change the spiritual atmosphere over the palace when, when Saul was vexed by demons. You can change the atmosphere in your car, the atmosphere in your home, the atmosphere over your life through singing. And uh, I'm just so grateful that we've got such a fantastic man of God, leader, pastor, shepherd, minstrel, songwriter extraordinaire like Mike Yeager bringing us, gathering the best musicians and the best singers. I was, I was talking to Dr. Lisa Dana, I said, what's the favorite thing that you like about the album? Is it the anointing? Is it the songs? Is it the lyrics? And she says, it's the drummer. But you can't blame her. Look how handsome that Adrian Dunn is. He's just fierce. Let me just also say this. The Knights of Impartation, uh, this, this is something that, that really impacted Leanne and I. So the Arise Conference that's happening this week, I, 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 I want to just kind of give you a context. There's a beautiful story in Genesis 23, 24, 24, Genesis 24. Genesis 24 where um, Eliezer is sent out to get a bride for Isaac, Abraham's promised son, Isaac. And the Bible says that when, when he arrives at the place where Abraham sent him, he's got 10 camels, and the camels are carrying spices and trinkets and gold and bracelets and jewelry and all kinds of stuff. They're, they're carrying the stuff. Their, 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 their assignment is to carry back a wife for, for Isaac. And the Bible says that, that, that Eliezer prays and he says, listen, when I, when I get to the well, God, I, I'm not good at this. I'm, you know, he was in his late 80s. He's like, I'm not good at this whole courtship and dating. I don't understand online dating. And he goes, so God, you're going to just have to make it easy. Let the girl who offers me a drink of water and then when I say yes, please, says, and wait here, remain here because I'm going to water all 10 of your camels. Let her be the one. And the Bible says, and then here came Rebecca, and she was beautiful. And she offers him a drink of water, and he says, yes. And then she says, oh, and please rest in the shade while I also draw water for your camels. Well, I also draw water for your camels. So she had a jar that she would descend down these circular stairs, go down, fill with water and then put her on her shoulder and then ascend back up and then pour it out for the camels. The camels are a dromedary. They, 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 they carry things. 
They carry people, they carry cargo, they carry things. Rebecca is carrying water. Sometimes the people who are carrying the things of God, the mission of God, the assignments of God, need to come to a Rebecca experience. That's what Arise Nights of Fire is. Will you allow, will you allow fresh water to come to you who are carrying a marketplace assignment, a ministry place assignment? You're carrying a vision this year. You're carrying breakthrough this year. You're carrying a demolishing of a stronghold this year. You're carrying breakthrough for your faith. Every single one of us are carrying something. The, the camels were carriers, but somebody else was carrying something that, that she would pour out and refresh. This week, there's going to be a pouring out and a refreshing. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it will carry you through the year. It will carry you. They say that a camel can literally go for 40 days off one drinking of water for the next 40 days. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't made plans, rearrange your plans, get there. If the doors are open, I prop, Mike Maiden, are you kidding me? What he's carrying is going to be flowing into you. Dr. Lance Wallnauer is a prophetic marketplace. What he's carrying is going to flow into you. Bill Johnson, flow into you. Rex Crane, I think he's going to be here next Sunday. Shut the gate. I'm telling what he carries is going to flow into you. Get ready. You want these men have paid a price to carry what they carry. And when you turn up, when, when we turn up, it's you you open and you get to drink from their fountain. It'll put something you didn't have, something almost you and I didn't actually earn. It'll put something into you that will just cause you to pierce the veil and break through. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right, well, that's enough. So let's get into this message. So the first thing I want you to understand is that the Holy Spirit wants you to step into what I call a nevertheless spirit. What is a nevertheless spirit? A nevertheless spirit is a dimension of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the, the, the enemy had a voice. The enemy said, you shall not come in here. The enemy said, uh, there's an unholy reception. And we, we expect an unholy reception. When Jesus began his ministry in Mark chapter 1, he goes into a synagogue. And it's just, he's, just, he's just been anointed. He's just been baptized in the Holy Ghost. He walks into the synagogue. And as soon as he walks in, he receives an unholy reception. The Bible says a man with an unclean spirit cries out and says, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are. It's amazing how they know who we are. But he immediately gets an, uh, he gets an unholy reception from a man with an unclean spirit. Then, you know, about a year later, Jesus goes to the region of the Gadarenes. Not even a year, maybe it's only six, six months later. Uh, Mark chapter five, he goes to the region of the Gadarenes where there's a man tormented, cutting himself with stones, cutting him, the man's got scars all over him. He, he cuts, he mutilates, he's tormented. And as soon as Jesus arrives on the shore, the Bible says this demonized man comes out and says, what have we to do with you? Have you come to torment us before the appointed time? I know who you are. And immediately Jesus is met with an unholy reception. But Jesus didn't get back in the boat and leave. Jesus drove out the spirit that was in the man. And what happens is when the spirit leaves the man, it goes into the herd of swine and you see 
the actual agenda of the spirits. The Bible says, as soon as the demons entered the herd of swine, they ran violently, it says. They ran violently down the hill off the cliff and drowned into the water. This man was fighting suicidal thoughts and depression and torment and cutting himself with stones. On, on Coronado, they're, they're printing all these lies. They're saying, you're not going to come in here. We're giving you an unholy reception because people with unclean spirits and people with tormenting spirits are, are riling up. They're saying, we're, we're going we're gonna, to um, do an LGBTQ protest at the same time. I'm like, knock yourself out. Do, do one every day. Do, do two. Do nine. Do 11. Like, you, you, you want to fight for the right for people to mutilate themselves, we actually want to fight for the right for people to be free. To be free from that. Let, let, let me just say this, just so that, that everything's clear. The Bible says, in the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Male and female, he created them. Male and female. Human beings come in two options. Human beings come in two expressions, two genders, male and female. Now, here's the truth. God has set that in place. God has set that in place. A male cannot become a female. A female cannot become a male. Yeah, but what about if they take hormone blockers? What if, what if they have hormone injections? What if we pump enough estrogen and, and enough drugs? What if we pump enough testosterone? What, what, hang on, what, wait, just wait, wait. What if, what if they wear extra long fingernails and, and extra long eyelashes and extra bright lipstick and extra makeup? And what if, what if they, they, they take all, and then they have, they have surgery where they cut things off and they add things on? What then? Then, 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 then their, their biology remains the same. You cannot change a Y chromosome to an X and you cannot change the X chromosome to a Y through cutting things off. Their entire life they will live in torment. So what we're bringing is, hey, rather than cut yourself and be, be, be vexed with suicidal, destructive thoughts, the highest suicide rate is in that community. We recognize that spirit. We hear the unholy welcome. We are not here to bring hate. We just we we actually hate the things that God hates, and we love the things that God loves. But you people, you hate what God loves, and you love what He hates. We don't want these people to be tormented and vexed. We want them to be free. Wouldn't it be better just to drive out that tormenting spirit to to cast out? You know, David, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uriah, one of, his, one of his warriors, while he was away on the battlefield, David slept with, with his wife. It was, it, it was a blemish and a stain that to this day is spoken about over King David. It hangs over King David. And David in Psalm 51 repents. And in his repentance, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And then he says this, And renew a right spirit within me. When you have a wrong spirit, you think wrong is right. When you have a wrong spirit, you will make wrong decisions. You'll make wrong choices. You'll make poor choices. You'll make bad choices. So David says, man, I did the wrong thing. I made wrong choices. I, I made destructive decisions. God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but renew a right spirit within me. What Coronado needs and what these beautiful broken people need is they, they don't need 
the mutilations. What they need is a right spirit. And that's what we're bringing. We're bringing freedom. We're bringing deliverance. We're bringing a right spirit. Can somebody say amen? So I just, I just got to be, be honest and just tell you that, that, you know, we have a little bit of nevertheless. So they said, you're not, you're not going to, you know, plant a church here on Coronado, but nevertheless, that's what we're going to do. Because they said to me, they said to me when I left, when I left engineering, you're not going to make it, you know, the, you, 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 you'll never own a home, but nevertheless, we kind of got through that. And then when I went to New Zealand to work for the church for free, they said, well, there's no way your father-in-law is going to let you marry Leanne when the church has no salary. But nevertheless, after three days of not being able to sleep, he called, or his wife called me and said, you better come over. And I come over and she says, you know, Alan's in the study. And I said, oh, hey, Mr. Gray. And he says, Alan. I said, yes, Mr. Gray. And, uh, and when he turned around, all his eyes were bloodshot. I said, oh, Mr. Gray, are you okay? He said, yeah, because he goes, I haven't been able to sleep for three days. I think God's telling me you can marry my daughter. I'm like, woohoo. You know, <laughs> after three days early, he literally had the one in a million. So you're saying there's a chance? Like it was literally, he said God himself would have to speak to me. And I'm like, come on. And, uh, and so God did speak to him. That they, when, when we landed in San Diego, they said, well, you know, welcome to San Diego, but you'll never have, you'll never have a building. There's no zoning for buildings. Nevertheless, we have, we have buildings in East Lake and we have buildings in El Cajon and we have buildings in Bressy Ranch, Carlsbad. We have buildings in San Marcos. We have buildings in Boise, Idaho. We have buildings in... In Salt Lake City, we have buildings in Balboa. We have, I mean, dear Jesus, it's like, you know, you just got to get a bit of nevertheless. Just, did you know that there's a dimension in the Holy Ghost that's nevertheless? People may have spoken, and this is what, you got to understand, the devil has a voice. Quite often, it's the first voice, and predominantly, if you don't deal with it, it will be the loudest voice. But you are not meant to live under his voice. Don't live under his voice. His voice says you're never going to get a home. His voice says you're never going to get married. His voice says you're never going to break through. His voice says if anybody knew what you struggle with, oh, they would dismiss you. So you got to hide it. Just hide it from everybody and, and, and pretend. Just fake it till you make it because you've tried to get free, haven't you? you tried to get free. Yeah, you can't get free. Yeah, exactly, because the devil knows that sin grows in the darkness, but it's destroyed when we bring it into the light. That's why the, the, the recovery program is so powerful because people of all ilks and all walks bring and confess their sin. And, and any sin that you confess, the power of God comes on it. Whatever you hide, the power of the devil remains on it. So the devil is a liar and he wants you to live under his lies. Life is too short. I would be a bad pastor. Pastor Mike and Katie would be bad leaders if they say, hey, yeah, just coexist with the devil's lives. Yeah, just live under what the devil has said. I want you to know there is no ceiling in God. You may say, well, you don't understand, pastor. We have no deposit. We have no inheritance. Welcome to the club. My father disowned me when I went to Bible college. I was working for the church for free and uh, and then we had a prophetic word from a, a, a South African prophet saying I don't know where you live right now but I see you under incredible pressure I see you under pressure and then he looks at my wife he goes are you pregnant darling and she goes no we just got married like 10 months ago he goes okay and then he comes back he goes are you sure you're not pregnant she goes no we've got a five-year plan he goes okay <laughs> and he goes Next summer, you're going to be, uh, next, next year, you're going to be holding a little boy. And God is going to pay your school fees. I don't know where you live right now, but God is going to give you a home. And so I'm like, God's going to give us a home. And so then the associate pastor of our church, God bless him. The associate pastor of our church, there to help. 
associate pastor of our church pulled me into his office. And he said, sit down. So I sat down. And he said, hey, we're hearing these rumors that you're believing God is going to give you a home. So yeah, you were there in the meeting when the prophet prophesied. He says, the house you're renting is God's. I said, no, 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 no. no. He said, God is going to give us, he's going to pay our school fees. Anyone can rent a home, but paying school fees, that's God. He's like, you don't have a deposit. He says, you don't, the church doesn't pay. So he says, right, and he was, the, he was over the business side of our church. So he rang every bank in, in, in Auckland and said, hey, would you give this guy a loan? No, no, no. One did, one did. God bless the uh, Auckland Savings Bank said, we'd give him a loan up to $40,000. I said, oh, I want to buy a house, not a car. So at the end of that, he said, he said, see, now get this stupid idea out of your head. God has not given you a house. But he didn't understand that I, I didn't grow up in church. I, I got saved on a beach, the son of an atheist. My whole life I was battling against these words of negativity, these words of that, that my father disowned me. We had no income, but God said it. So I just decided I'm just going to step into some nevertheless. I'm just going to step into nevertheless. Make a decision this year. This year, I want you to understand who is the Holy Spirit. He's the nevertheless. Nevertheless. You grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Nevertheless. You came from generational divorce. Nevertheless. You were told you couldn't have children. Nevertheless. You were told you'd never buy a home. Nevertheless. You were told you were always going to live on welfare and in poverty. Nevertheless. God is a nevertheless God. Go ahead. Give God a praise if you receive that. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus borrows Simon Peter's boat. He just gets into Simon Peter's boat and, he's, and he says to Simon, you know, row out a little bit. Okay, that'll do. Stop there. Drop the anchor. Drops the anchor. And then Jesus starts teaching. And Simon Peter's out there and his friends are on the beach. Going, and they're like, what the? And Simon doesn't even know. He doesn't even know how he got there. He's like, I don't even. But he's sitting and he's listening. He's seeing the crowds. And Jesus is teaching. And at the end of the hour of Jesus' teaching, he turns to Simon. He says, all right, now launch right out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon Peter says this. He says, Master, Master, we toiled all night. Another translation, we labored all night and we come up empty. We're fishermen and we work so hard all evening. And we've got nothing to show for our labors. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at thy word. What was the difference? They labored in their skill. They labored in their ability. They labored in their understanding. They labored in their boats. They labored in their experience. They labored in all of those things, but no breakthrough. But as soon as Jesus got into the boat and he began to hear the word of God, you're the smartest people in all of Chula Vista, Southern San Diego, East Lake, South Bay, because on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. you came to church because there's something about the Word of God. There's something about when you've got despair and you're despondent and it feels like, man, the walls are, are closing in and we're not going to make it. And, we can, and there's something you'll hear a word from God and you're like, you know what? Nevertheless. And, but Peter, it's so beautiful. Jesus said, let down the nets, plural. And Simon Peter says, man, I don't have nets faith. He says, but at thy word, I will let down the net. 
nevertheless, I'll let down the net. They caught so many fish, the net began to break. He should have gone with nets, he realized. And they filled his boat, and then he had to signal the partners, and they rowed out. They filled both boats till they began to sink. And then Simon Peter said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. It was nevertheless. Did you know that they deemed Mount Everest unclimbable? They deemed Mount Everest many, many years ago, many decades ago. They said there, there were scientists that wrote journals. They published journals in these papers saying that, that human beings, the way that our lungs are structured, that we are not meant to occupy such high altitudes. The air is too thin, the oxygen too thin intake, that we're not. So Mount Everest will remain unconquerable. Many people had tried and many people had failed. The problem was, the problem was, there was a beekeeper in New Zealand that read the journals, read the publishings of these scientists, but didn't believe it. And so this beekeeper said, I'm going to climb and conquer Mount Everest. And they said, you're a beekeeper. You're a beekeeper from a nation called New Zealand that doesn't even have back then two million people. And you are going to climb the tallest mountain in the world, and they laughed at him. He had to raise all his own money, boy, all his own equipment. The first time he tried to climb, he almost died and failed. They, they, they gave him a, a standing ovation at a, at a Japanese university. And on the back of the wall, they had a picture of Everest. And they asked him to do this address, this motivational address to the students who were graduating. And he said the whole time he's looking and Everest was like staring at him. And he said finally he couldn't take it anymore and he just stopped and he thunders his fist on the pulpit and he points to Everest. He says, Everest, you've done all the growing you've ever done or you're ever going to do, but I'm still growing. You may have defeated me the first time, but I will conquer you. Did you know if you read your history books, the first man whose feet stood on the summit that saw a vista no human eye had ever seen was a man by the name of Sir Edmund Hillary, a beekeeper from New Zealand who didn't live under what the science journals published, who operated in a nevertheless spirit. I want you to just, just to lift your hand and just, just like you're, you're grabbing some nevertheless this year. Come on, who, who wants some nevertheless? What are you living under that God is saying, hey, this year you're gonna rule over? The enemy has a voice. The enemy has a voice. Just close your eyes and just, just, just take the next 10, 15 seconds to just think, what is that voice? What is that thing the devil says you'll never do, you'll never have, you can't do, you can't break, you can't beat, you can't defeat. I break it now in Jesus' name. I declare that one of the great dimensions of the whole Holy Spirit is a nevertheless spirit. Amen. Go ahead, give God a praise. All right, number two. We're going to move. We're going, oh my gosh, we've got to move. We've got to move. We've got to move. All right. Number two, have a look at verse six. David then says, whoever attacks the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain and Joab, the son of Zuriah. I mean, I just love the Bible. Joab, the son of Zuriah. It's just awesome. Have you ever noticed when you go to the movies, there's the, the, the voiceover guy? This summer. It doesn't matter what's going on. He could say something as boring as, this summer, we're going to watch the grass grow. And you're like, man, I can't wait to watch grass grow. Hang on, what? You know, it's like, they're just, anyway. And so 
I don't know how I got on that. But Joab, the son of Zariah, went up first and became chief. Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, send in your resumes, send in your credentials, send in your applications. He just said, whoever, whoever goes up first, can I just tell you something that, that probably nobody's told you about the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God belongs to whoever. The world tells you that the wealth and the concrete and the, 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 the victory and the conquest and the trophy and the accolades belong to the most educated, belong to the most well published, belong to, to, to the most well trained. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says this, says that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, but time and chance happen to them all. You may say, my God, I would be successful, except I didn't graduate high school. I would have been, but I dropped out of college. I would have been, but I got pregnant and I couldn't finish my, you know what, I, I, did, I did a degree in this, but I didn't know what I was doing at 18. I didn't know what I was choosing. If I could go back, if I could turn back time, if I could have it over, I want you to understand that you are not, lim don't ever limit that because the Bible says whosoever whosoever, whosoever. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The wind began to blow. The floods came up, but the house stood. But whosoever hears his saying and doesn't do them, I'll liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. But the kingdom is about whosoever. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would have everlasting life. Jesus says, whosoever receives me will have the light of life. Whosoever cometh to me, I will by no means drive away. The kingdom belongs to whosoever. You know, when I read the Bible, I get excited because I'm like, I can be a whosoever. I may not have the accolades, I may not have the degrees, I may not have the culture, I may not have the breeding, I may not have all the genetics, I may not have the, the past, the background, I may not have the, but I'm a whosoever, I'm a whosoever. The kingdom belongs to whosoever's. The kingdom belongs, can I just tell you, you're a whosoever. You're a whosoever. Whosoever believes, whosoever receives, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. When I was in Bible college, and I've shared it before, there were people who were second generation, third generation, some four generations of pastor's kids. And here was this kid from an atheist home that my dad was so mad when I left engineering. And I'm at Bible college and the loudest voice is, what are you doing here? Like, have you just made the biggest boo-boo of your life? I remember listening to these guys preach in the chapel and Itor, they could do the ha and the ha as they preached. I didn't know there was a hat and a ha to do. I just said, and Jesus went to Galilee. But they're like, and, and they sounded so much better. And Jesus went to Galilee. I'm like, my God, that sounds better. And I'm like, how, God, how could God, how, God, how could you ever use me? Oh, I don't come from a Christian home. My dad's an atheist. The first sermon I preach, I cussed in it. True story. And then I argued with the God. I'm like, that's not cussing. And he says, it's cussing. I'm like, oh. I thought, God, I'm nevertheless. Nevertheless. 
And then God just said to me, you know what, Jürgen, you don't have, you're right, you don't have their generational pastors. You don't have that. He says, but you can, you can out-obey them. God says, all I'm looking for is whosoever would receive my word. That's why when they said, you can't come to Coronado, I'm like, really? Oh, no, you didn't. You don't understand my God. You don't understand His Spirit. Nevertheless, whosoever. Who do you think you are? Whosoever. Did you know that there's 154 whosoever's in the New Testament? 154. Whoso, and each one is attached to a promise. That means every other day you can say, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, I'm a whosoever. And walk in another promise, walk in another blessing. Come on, stand to your feet. I've got to preach the last, the last point and hand over. The Bible says at the end there, it says, then David, not only did he take the stronghold, it says he dwelt in the stronghold. He dwelt in the stronghold. How many people here have kind of been around Christianity for a little bit and we, we hear about, you know, demolishing strongholds, pulling down strongholds, we're tearing down the strongholds. It's interesting, David, David dwelt in the stronghold. He dwelt in the stronghold. What are you saying, Pastor? You want me to dwell in the stronghold of alcoholism? No, no, I want you to dwell in the stronghold of God that He has set you free. The stronghold that whom Christ has set free is free indeed. I want you to dwell in the stronghold that seek ye first the kingdom of His right and all these things have been. Do you know there are strongholds if you live in? One of the strongholds on me is we're on vacation and we itch on a Sunday morning, we gotta to get to church. Even my 15 year old daughter says, Dad, where are we going to church tomorrow? It's Sunday. I'm like, honey, we're in Italy. She goes, but we go to church, right? said, yep, we go to church. I made, a, I made a decision. I'm gonna have a stronghold that when the church doors are open, I'm there. I've got a stronghold on tithing. Stronghold on it. Because sometimes it's easy to tithe. And other times when the bills have come in or unexpected things or something is really, really difficult, it's much easier to withhold. Leanne and I have a commitment. We have a stronghold on these things. If you'll this year dwell in the stronghold, and it says, and then from the stronghold, they built the city. You'll build a life that is more than a life. It'll, it'll look like a city. The Bible says that, that the light of Jesus is like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. The blessing on your life can't be hidden. The goodness of God in your life can't be hidden. People will notice it. The people with the spirit of Cain will be envious of it, but you won't be able to hide it. And it says, and then they repaired the rest of the city. We're going in to repair all the hopelessness, the addiction, the brokenness. What do we bring into Coronado? We're bringing life. What are we bringing into your life? God wants to build your life into a great city on a hill and He wants to repair what's been broken. He wants to repair what's been damaged. He, in my life, He had to repair so many things that I jacked up, that I messed up. And it all begins with point number three, changing the crown. It's a power shift operation. See, Coronado means crown. When I got saved, my life was a mess because I was living for me. I said, I'm just looking after number one and I was number one. And about four or five years later, one of my friends says, man, your life, we can't even believe your life. 
what happened? I said, well, I look after number one. And they're like, two right. I said, oh no, has it changed? I said, what do you mean? I said, my life was a mess because I looked after number one. Five years later, I'm still looking after number one, but it's a different number one. I got off the throne and I put Jesus on the throne. I took off the crown and I put the crown on Jesus. I said, Jesus, the Bible says you're the first and the last. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph, the Tuff, the beginning and the end. So Jesus, you have the first word and you have the last word. Whatever you say, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna obey. I look after number one, seek ye first the kingdom. That's called Lord. The first thing you gotta do is let Jesus save you. You've got to stop trying to earn your way into heaven. You can't do it. It's exhausting and you'll never get there. But saying, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross makes Him your Savior. But then what makes Him, His power flow in your life to conquer and destroy every stronghold is when you make Him Lord. Jesus, You wear the crown. I give You the crown. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank You for these beautiful people. I thank You for the anointing of God, the presence of God, and the power of God resting. If your life is not right with Jesus today, I want you to see one of our team get your life right. If you've never surrendered and made Him Lord, say, Jesus, today you are Lord over my life. I take the crown off my head and I place it on You. Whatever You tell me to do, no matter how dark, no matter how difficult, no matter how, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. You watch what happens to your life. Father, bless these beautiful people. Bless tonight. We thank you, the Coronado. The demons are screaming because they know their time is short. They know they're being evicted. And we, we know that you love that beautiful island. You love the beautiful people. We have people there who are Navy SEALs. We have people there who are in the Navy who serve. We have people who live there. They deserve freedom. They deserve blessing. They deserve what God brings. Father, tonight, bless that meeting, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.